everybody. Welcome to Made in the 80s, a podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have... Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> Welcome back, Kendon. Hey, it's Kendon. <laughs> how, was, how, was how was everything? How'd it go? Um, it went as smoothly as uh, could be hoped for. <laughs> it was stressful. So, uh, friends, I'm back from Florida, where uh, we set up the experiments to go up to the International Space Station on the, the SpaceX uh, Consumer Resupply Mission 22. That's right. So that's where I've been. Deuces. Yeah. We're uh, studying kidney stones in space in a 3D cell model. And he's back. But he did not go to space. He didn't go to space. The last no, launch, there were some members of my family that were very confused that like we had sent them into space. <laughs> That's not what happened. <laughs> cool. Well, so this week we're talking about Turner and Hooch. Mm -hmm. Friends who have not watched it in preparation for this episode. Um, I have some, it is on Disney Plus. I have a little bit of a, I have a spoiler. So go ahead and close your ears if you would like it. The dog does die. And Tim didn't warn us. Tim didn't warn us. Um, but I'm warning I guess, wait, I guess if I had friends close their ears, there's no one I'm warning. I guess I'm just saying it out loud. We're going to talk about it. How do you think it. they've closed their ears for? <laughs> I don't know. We're going to talk about it in a bit. I will put the timestamp in the show notes. All right. But let's do some more catching up. What is the 411? Kenan, you want to go first because you've been gone for the longest? Um, well, mine are pretty minor, but uh, an update. To the uh, to my Dune saga. Minor. I feel like this was a pretty major. It's only three weeks, but it's been delayed by three weeks, going from October the second to October the twenty second. Which is also bad timing for us. Like we had plans for the twenty third, so this is one of those like, uh oh, how are we gonna make everything work? Yeah, I have to figure. I have to see this movie. <laughs> as I suppose nobody who's listening to this is surprised. Yeah. How many life events can we move to a movie theater? Man. <laughs> you know, it depends on the theater. Depends it, on the theater. So you can, you know, you just need to see it. You know, I was, you know. I guarantee <laughs> there's been bar mitzvahs at a theater. Oh, for sure. So, yeah. Sorry, Kendon. Three weeks delay, October 22nd. I'm getting a little nervous, but it might still work out. Might still work out. And a little more fun, though. Uh, we're all a fan of what we do in the shadows, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So they, there's kind of a spinoff series that's been going on in New Zealand for a while called Wellington Paranormal. Really funny. Oh, have you watched it already? I've seen episodes of it. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Oh, well, it's supposed to get its American release on the CW on July 11th. Did you watch it, like, through some other streaming service? I, I don't remember how I saw it somewhere. Someone had an episode of it, and I I don't know if I was on a plane. Somewhere, I watched a couple episodes and was like, this is hilarious. If you like that kind of humor, it's perfect. I do. And I, I don't know if I updated recently um, on, what is this, season three of What We Do in the Shadows coming up? Yeah. Anyways, I'm highly looking forward to that. Really looking forward. I think Shalia really liked that show, too. Also, Seven Deadly Sins, most recent uh, season's out now as well, right? I guess that's news for anybody who's... Shalia said, I almost started it, and she said, I thought we were going to watch an adult show. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So we turned it to Lucifer. <laughs> but yeah, um, Seven Deadly Sins, season five. Best mm. anime I've ever watched. Tim, do you got any 411? Um, you know, there's some minor movie news happening. Obviously, they've got the trailer for the Western coming out with Idris Elba and everyone else, Jonathan Majors, Zazie Beats, Lucky Stanfield. It's looks fun. They've been working on it for a minute. Um, we saw a first look at it. It looks great. What was the term for the title for it again? Um, the Heart of They Fall. Um, that trailer came out. We also had a trailer for Don't Breathe 2. I don't know if you saw Don't Breathe, the original one. Did I see that with you at the theater? Yeah. That's a that was a freaky movie. So the sequel coming out. Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. So I feel like conceptually Shalia could not watch this movie never mind I'm, i changed that sentence halfway through there's no way Shalia can watch I was this at the end of the movie and i was like no 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 gonna do that I, I need to breathe so i'm okay and then there was a trailer for this very interesting horror movie called blood red sky coming to netflix where a woman is taking her kid she's got some health issues is all we know to america the plane is hijacked hijackers kill her we find out that she is indeed a vampire. Wait, have I heard? Is this? There's like a uh, what do you call him? Uh, a Die Hard on a Plane movie coming out. Is this? No, it's not it. Okay, <laughs> because it was Die Hard on a Plane with vampires. <laughs> no, I don't think this is it. Okay, it looks it looks interesting. Hot Blood Red Skies coming to Netflix later on this month. Um, yeah, looks pretty good. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so the only news I have or the 401 I have is old 411 from the 80s, but we missed it because I was talking to a friend of this show, family uh, member of South and Jono, um, and he, I mentioned that we had done Pretty in Pink recently and he was, he mentioned John Cryer because he's been working with him um, on one of the shows that they are doing or were doing or something and um, he's worked with his mom quite a bit as well. But the funny thing I didn't know, I told him how in Pretty in Pink, I kept thinking John Cryer was Matthew Broderick. Like, I just kept for some reason being like, no, no, that's not who this is. Well, it turns out, do you know how John Cryer got his start? He was the body double for Matthew Broderick. Oh, wow. That makes sense. Wow. Did you like see him like from the side and like, I recognize that profile? I, yeah, I, I, it's weird. I wouldn't have, like, looking at them, I didn't think so. But I did keep, keep confusing him. So, anyway, um, I think he auditioned for Ferris Bueller. That makes sense. And uh, Matthew Braddock got it. But, uh, yeah, we need to do Ferris Bueller at some point. But, anyway, so that's my, my, my old news. <laughs> but it's 80s news, so it fits for us. Um, what have you guys been doing? What are you watching, thinking about, reading, talking about? Well, um, I had some gaps of time in Florida, so I watched a couple of things that I want to bring up. One of them, Tim, I think you said you did see this. This is Superman Red Sun. Yes. Uh, this is DC knocking out of the park with animation, at least, once again. Um, this is based off of a comic from maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe a little longer, where Superman lands into Ukraine, uh, part of the Soviet Union, instead of in Kansas. Um, it's pretty good, but I feel like it, 
in adapting it, they kind of take a shortcut with with some of the the themes. Basically, I'm trying to to jump around without like spoiling it, but I think that they're making an interesting point most of the way through the movie, and then don't follow it up very well. They kind of make a change without deserving it. Right. Um, yeah. I will say. That's the best. First of all, I'm not a huge Superman fan, but he can be interesting. But that's the best Superman um, outfit I've ever seen. It was really cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's really whether or not you like the hammer and sickle, the the color, the the blue gray color, yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty dope. It's um, currently it's on HBO Max if anyone's interested in watching it. Yeah, it's a movie, so you know it'll only take you like an hour and a half or so. The animation is great. It's got some really fun stuff going on with like Wonder Woman. And the Green Lanterns, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Batman, kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Russian Batman. Russian Batman. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess you can tell from my laugh that I, I did enjoy it. So I, I would recommend that. I also watched a movie on HBO Max called Oslo, which is about the Oslo Accords, uh, kind of a peace talk between the Israelis and the Palestinians in the early 90s, like 1993 or something like that um i'm having trouble with shows where i know what the future what, what the future holds so that was kind of a situation i had with uh judas and the black messiah where i was like oh this doesn't really turn out well yeah and it's the same thing um because uh you know not getting political but in the news we've seen that there's a there's a there is an upswell in violence in uh in Israel, Palestine, again, over the last month or so. So I was watching this and people are patting themselves on the back and like, we're making peace in our time or whatever they're saying. And I was like, well, I know the sequel to this story. Did you fuck <laughs> up the end game? Right. I don't um, know. I don't know the story, but. But um, I think what, what uh, the reason why, the other reason why I clicked on it, other than me liking historical movies of that type, is that um, the actors and, and their names are escaping my head, but one of them plays Alice Morgan from uh, Luther mm -hmm. and also plays Miss Coulter in the other thing we've been watching, which is his Dark Materials. She's really great. And then the other actor, he's in a bunch of stuff. He's actually in his Dark Materials too, but he also plays Moriarty in this BBC Sherlock series. So I like both of those actors. Um, sorry, I can't think of them off the top of my head, but that also led me to, to click on it. And then the third thing that I'll share is his dark materials. We finally got past like the first two episodes, which we had been stuck on for forever, partially because everybody in the, the main world of this show has an animal like doppelganger that hangs out with them. And Shalia, they were fighting, the animals were fighting and it was bothering Shalia. Of course it did. <laughs> but finally, as it opens up, because there's multiple worlds involved in this show, um, not everybody has those. And that sort of violence kind of tones down. So Shalia has been getting back into it. I really like it. And the third season is currently filming. I think it got delayed by COVID. Um, and it's based off of a three-part um, book series. So this should be the final season. Tim, are you familiar with the five love languages? Yes. So one of Kendon's like primary love languages is acts of service. And... <laughs> I realized how much he was wanting to watch his dark materials and he was wanting to watch it with me. So as an act of service to show him my love, I watched it with him. It's actually really good. It's it, the animal stuff is hard. I just don't look, I just like, I look away and like plug my ears. 
Thank you, Shalia. Mm-hmm. Also, it's got <laughs> Lynn Manuel Miranda in it, and we can't take that guy seriously anymore. He's really goofy in it. Really <laughs> goofy. Tim, have you watched it at all? No, I haven't seen it, but I, I yeah. He's doing like goofy Han Solo. Oh no, that's with bad. a with a Texas accent. With a Texas accent <laughs> and a jackrabbit best friend. Of course. It's out of it's not a choice to me. Should I yeah. go next, following up on that? Uh, or yeah, do you have more definitely. that you've been up to? So um while I was in Florida with Kendon, I got to watch cable TV. Like I was like, oh, what's on TV? <laughs> so I was just kind of watching what was on. Con Air was on. Such what? a good movie. Enjoyed it thoroughly. Lots of problematic stuff, but then it's like, well, everybody's problematic. So Cyrus the virus. Yeah. Good time. Uh and then also Golden Girls was something that was on a lot. And we haven't done Golden Girls yet. I think we should. But um, definitely some problematic episodes that we got to see. So, so we were playing it while we were, um, I think we were packing up the condo we were staying in when this one episode came on. And it was about, they, they needed to hire a housekeeper and they ended up hiring a black woman. Oh, yeah. That came up. Yeah. With- oh, it did? Okay. In the conversation, yeah. Yeah. They're like, are we being racist? Yeah, um, it was but really it, interesting. But it's funny because it also ties into we went and visited family in Georgia while we were there. And there I got to watch Cosby. And I have not watched Cosby, the Cosby show, in a very long time. And I will say it holds up. Um, the show itself was still funny. I was still laughing at it. And I realized that in terms of 411, that is relevant to news from this week. Because that is a very well-known 80s actor, right? who is being released or has been released from prison due to some procedural issues. Um, So we'll just acknowledging that this has happened. I think, you know, early on it was from demographics of people, this somehow his release equated to him being innocent. You had to be like, that's not what happened. Mm -hmm. Let's explain what happened. This isn't saying he's innocent. This is... Felicia Rashad came out and kind of put her foot in her mouth. So that's what that's yeah. Um, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I will admit I haven't been following much. I just saw the like very first news flash of it and read what the basis was and was like, okay, that but happened. I, I I feel like your instinct is right. We should do that show because I really appreciated following up, like rewatching, being reintroduced to that show because it was so important to me. Yeah. And then coming back to like real world, what I've been doing, doing, I started the Mysterious Benedict Society. It's a TV show on Disney Plus, and I didn't realize it was like a week to week thing. So I watched for three or four episodes and then there's nothing else to do. Um, it's weird because it's like, it's like the, what's the Bordelais orphans that oh. you love so much? series of unfortunate events thank you so it's like that mixed with like umbrella academy sort of um royal tenenbaums type thing put together it looks ya though right oh it's definitely it's based on i mean it's it's a whole bunch of orphans that are like uh, like nine or ten or maybe a little older it's they're young um it's a kid's show uh but it was entertaining (laughs) for what i watched but i felt like i was watching an algorithm like uh, one of those yeah. compilations like you put all this stuff i've seen this before but it was it was perfect to do like at 10 30 at night when i was like taking care of some stuff before i could go to bed so but 
friends, I, I think you might like it. So I'll just put that one out there. Do you remember hearing back when um, House of Cards came out that, that, that they had used basically an algorithm to put that? It's crazy to see that it seems like a majority of their shows are algorithm-based shows now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were doing that before using people brains. So, no? Okay. <laughs> Tim says yes. <laughs> okay, so then the other thing I watched is In the Heights, which was hilarious because it was during a blackout in New York. Like, that's part of what's happening, right? And it's so, so hot. And it reminds me of um, we did do the right thing last summer on a very hot day. And Seattle just had its record heat weekend. Uh, friends, I think most of you are in the Seattle area or are familiar with Seattle area, but we've had like, since we've been tracking weather here, <laughs> three events that have made it to over a hundred, two of them were in the last 50 years. And then last weekend we had three days in a row over, over a hundred. So it was kind of funny to be watching in the Heights and being like, yeah, it's hot. And we were, we were smart enough to leave Seattle Go where it was even hotter. And go to a part of Washington that was even hotter. Yeah, that's we did do that. We were we were um, north of Leavenworth. We were there for a family wedding. So I went and got a hotel downtown. Did you really? Yeah. I almost told my mom to do that. Um but all of a sudden all the hotels were sold out. You know what was interesting? I learned the hotels were sold out and um Pedialyte or like electrolyte drinks. We're all sold out too, which is like, okay, PSA um, from Carme, Ken and sister of have some like electrolyte powder always left, like in your emergency kits, because it turns out if you really need it, it might be sold out at a store. And what did I bring to Leavenworth? Yes, Kenan brought, brought us the Pedialyte. It was important. And which is funny because I was not thinking about the heat. I was thinking of hangovers. Yeah, he was like, <laughs> I was all hot and like needed some electrolytes. And he was like, save me some for tomorrow morning. <laughs> Stay hydrated, stay cool. Um, so yeah, that that it was interesting watching in the heights with that. I did like in the heights. Um yeah, it's not it's that that's the thing. I didn't really love the songs or the story. <laughs> My favorite thing was the people. Everyone was really pretty. Very pretty people. Yeah. I like yeah. the uh you see song. Really? Yeah, I like the performance of it because a lot of the other songs it's just, it's a duet or there's other people. it's just her. Yeah, she holds down that whole number by herself and the backdrop it goes from New York to Cuba and all that whole story. It's it's great. I, it I love it. Yeah, it is good and she does a good job. I mean, hmm, yeah, it's good. I recommend it. I think it's fun. Um, and then finally the thing. Well, gosh, I keep saying that. One more thing I've been doing a lot of probably more than any watching of anything is playing monopoly deal. Have we talked about monopoly deal with you, Tim? No. So this is a card game based on the board game monopoly right now. Keep talking. And we play it a lot. Kendon has a ledger it that he started in Florida where he's tracking mm-hmm. how many games everyone has won. That's and only because I was ahead by 10 or 11 games. So I thought I needed to mark that down. So friends, this is a game. It says you, it's two to five players. It says you can play it in 15 minutes. That is true if everyone knows how to play. But what (laughs) we've learned is that every time we try to play, there's somebody new. So it takes a while to learn it. But once you learn it, once you know how to play it, it's very, very, very fun. And I realized. How different is it than the regular one? It's very different because it's like 
it's turn-based, but you're doing something every turn. So you're not just kind of like dinking around and there's cards that like it, the action cards keep it moving um, and you steal property um, and trade property. And so it doesn't just go on forever. <laughs> like and bankrupt your moves. foes. Yeah. And it's also like my dad, after we taught my dad, he was like, this is why I hate capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> he was so upset because we had been like stealing all his stuff. Um, well, it's funny because it wasn't even stealing. It was like, sorry, you owe me $5 and you don't have any money. So you got to give me all your property uh, type of thing. It's fun. It is Which fun. Which seems kind of like stealing in a way. Yeah. I mean, don't owe me money. <laughs> <laughs> Don't so, stay at my property and owe me rent. I did try the eviction moratorium and the rent stuff um, a couple times, but it never flew in any of the games we played. In any case, friends, we played, we've been playing it quite a lot and we really like it. So I'm saying it out loud for anybody who hasn't played it yet and wants to um, well, find Tim, a new game. The state's open again. So you yeah. can record, you can come back over here to record and we will teach you the game. I'm down whenever you're down. Fully vaccinated, <laughs> let me know. Yay. Yay. So so that's Monopoly Build. Now, finally, the thing that ties us all together is family. We watched Fast and Furious 9. We watched Fast The Fast 9, the Fast Saga, whatever it's called. F9, the Fast Saga. Fine. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I loved it so much. I was like, especially because like my uncle's been doing car club. There's a whole bunch of Samoan um, car clubs that, that are in Tacoma area now. And so I've been seeing all of these like you know, fun with like making your car look good. And anyway, friends, this movie is exactly what you would expect it to be. It didn't disappoint. <laughs> I think we should do a spoiler episode. I think we should have a discussion about Fast Nine. I'm down. And the Fast and Furious, all of them together. Mm-hmm. Tim, what did you think? I thought it was fun. I thought it wasn't as tightly written. <laughs> <laughs> saying something wait wait as <laughs> tightly written as you got to finish that statement as like like this fast five was on and i and as, as goofy as it is as silly as it is the story is a very tight story this was they did a lot of playing with like the fourth wall where you've got roman having discussions that we've had on social media for years about the series are they superheroes and so they're having these conversations in the film sort of like a, a wink and a nod at the audience it was probably a little too much for my liking um, the other films just kind of existed within themselves in the film, I think, tried to bring the audience in um, in a way that I necessarily didn't find entertaining. I did enjoy John Cena ziplining through all of London. It's like an endless zipline. That was really funny. The visual of it was just hilarious. Yeah. And I agree with you on the those um, statements, but I appreciate it because I was like, the movie is finally acknowledging that it also knows what this is. <laughs> Like, we also know this is ridiculous and we're embracing it. Don't think it's going to change. I really wish they would have kept the Han thing out of the trailers. I agree. Why did they do that? That would have been a great surprise. But, you know. I don't know if I can be surprised by these movies anymore. That was Are you sure? I was surprised a couple times. Also surprised. Do you remember we talked a couple weeks ago about, I think Vin Diesel had said that this movie helps kind of make you understand the first movie better and we kind of laughed and said you, you probably shouldn't even try i actually think they pulled it off it did. and i was like yeah you're right it does and not in a and not in a not in a weird way like not in a, not in a weird well way. i mean it's good i i was, had, I, was I was proud of them he's had a brother this whole time 
that nobody ever brings up. I think Even they did sister. it well, though. As much as he talks about family, you never. Knew. As much as he talks about family, I think it, I it, it was believable. I I passed. In this world, it passed of of them. Yeah, if I thought <laughs> you randomly had another sibling you never told me about, I would be shocked. But you love your family. You've never mentioned this person. Well, yeah, because yeah, like it's like Shalia the one that we've excluded. This is actually about like Shalia has a sister that we never heard of. But that she fully knows and grew up with and used no. to have used to have a job with. Yeah, work with. with <laughs> Especially parts of her life. Oh yeah. And also yeah, very involved in like one of the most <laughs> impactful yeah. things. Never comes up. He was she was a duck farmer with you or something like that. I I will say it, it is unbelievable, but but in this set of movies in this world, it it worked. It was fine. It was really fun. Thank you, Tim, for making that happen. Of course. Uh, okay, so what else have you been up to? Me? Um, saw a few movies. I'll go really quickly. I watched Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. How is Ooh, it? How, I've been yeah, wanting to. <laughs> it's time traveling alien, so you got me. I'm already hooked. Um, it's fine. I, I, I did appreciate it. I think Kenny will appreciate this. The creature design is really cool. Double the thumbs spikes, up. The white spikes look. They're freaky. I like that. Wait, is it out already or did you watch it ahead of time? It's out now. I watched it last night. I keep being tempted to uh, click on it. Also, Chris Pratt was hanging out with us in my dream last night. So we're friends. Anyway, so that that was fun. I watched um I watched Black Widow. <gasps> you did? Black Widow. Yay! Enjoyed it. So the crazy part was during our screening, we had to evacuate. I don't know what was going on in the theater. Maybe something was up because of the heat. But we all had to leave. We left with like 15 minutes left in the movie. Oh, no. Disney like sent us a link to watch it at home. But, dog, I was like, I'm not going to see the end of this movie. Like, I'm at the climb. We're at the, we're at the big battle at the end. And we had to leave. Oh, no. But I did see the end. I did enjoy it. There's a really cool post credit scene. Um, I thought it was good. Um, Can we talk about her just really quick? Carl Johansson? No, Black Widow. Um, and yes, Black Widow. So I keep hearing like after Endgame, who's left? And there's a lot of mention about like Captain America stepping down, Tony Stark dying. But I don't feel like people are acknowledging enough that Black Widow and Gamora are are also gone. And like I know that there's another Gamora around, but I'm hearing all this talk and I'm just like, you guys, like. Black Widow was like the heart of this group. Like she brought them all together. And so I just like to, because her movie is coming out, I'd like to acknowledge that, that like she was such a central piece to that group getting together and working and keeping it together. And like at the end, it's Tony's funeral that we're at, not hers. And I just, I want folks to remember that she was very important. And uh, I don't know, maybe she's my favorite Avenger. I'm I'm going to throw out here. without disagreeing with you at all that um she wasn't she kind of a spy like and they didn't and they didn't have her body so would they have had a massive funeral for her no like tony stark was kind of a huge public figure oh i agree i don't think the movie did anything wrong it's just been since then that like when i hear folks talking like when we're talking about avengers Mm -hmm. um 
she is one that it's not like it's not a loss that I hear acknowledged as much as I hear Captain America. Like right, Fair like enough. we watched Falcon and Winter Soldier. Obviously, that's about Captain America. But like I'm not hearing people missing her like I feel like they should. Thank you for bringing that up real quick because I've watched all of Falcon and Winter Soldier with you, and I just want to mention I was far. I found it far more interesting than I thought I was going to. I thought it was going to be a lot of dumb action. <laughs> that what like which it was. Well, Anyways, um, but they talked. They touched on some topics I found really interesting as as far as like race and superheroes throughout, like you know, times when um, let's say racism was even more rampant in society. Mm-hmm. Um, I found uh, the replacement Captain America plot line to be really interesting, especially when the Dora Milaje show up, Tim. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, I also watched Loki um, up till the point that we're currently at. And, you know, Shalia, you were ticking off the different people who are gone from the Avengers. And we were trying to, we were talking about like, who are the major Avengers now? Oh yeah. Because Kenan was talking about Avengers five and I'm like, who, who is the Avengers at this point? Iron Man. War Machine. War Machine. Falcon and Winter Soldier. Whatever Black Panther replacement they have. Well, and that's the thing. I don't think we can. I don't think we can count Black Panther until we have a replacement. No, we can. Yeah. Black It'll Panther be, is a title. Is yeah. a title, and I there, think there will that, be a Panther. Then, then we've got um, Ant Man, Wasp, Ant Man, Wasp, Hulk, Captain Marvel, Hulk. So here's what I find interesting. The reason uh-huh. I'm really liking Loki is because it's. Um, this is no spoilers, but it is opening up the worlds, right? multiverse are is where they're going dr strange dr strange uh ant-man and and uh the idea that king the conqueror is is the maybe the next big bad for this era of of marvel uh mcu yeah, I, i've been wondering what like what is the size of threat that's bigger than Gal- than not galactus <laughs> i said galactus was bigger than <laughs> galactus Thanos. i mean galactus is a pretty big threat but kind of uninteresting I was going to say bigger than Thanos snapping half of the universe away. Now I see. It's Kang dealing with time. Yeah. Like, what is more ultimate than that level of existence? Also, I was, a friend of the show, Josh, was mentioning that he has a connection to the supervillain Apocalypse. And Gugu. The the character Gugu's playing. Yeah. So I finally, because I was like, how are they going to get the X-Men into this? And not it not be clunky, right? I was like, you have superheroes running around now. You're gonna tell me there's all these people with superpowers. Did you did you watch the last, the latest episode of Loki? Yes. Did but we you, missed the post credit scene. We gotta watch that still. Gotta watch that. Did you hear what Mobius said? He was talking about people they've dealt with. Yes. With vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Blade. But we're, we're having our blade. Um, so, anyways, still, I'm looking forward to I having X Men uh, finally. I still have a concern, also though. Kendon not having watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, he's still working his way through season one. And I just want to know how this, in terms of, oh, we've had people around with powers all this whole time. Like, he's missed all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. dealing with all of that. So No, but even Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is not talking about the way mutants are. Mutants have been around for a long time, and it's a whole racial thing and civil rights era and stuff like that. I've watched enough of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to know that that's not what they're dealing with. Well, but you were just saying like, oh, how are we going to bring in these people who've been here the whole time with all of these powers that we didn't know about or whatever? And who have been having adventures for decades that people it's have been seeing. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying, Tim. I, I think that's the cleanest way 
because then you can do interesting things like X-Men versus Avengers and, and all of that. I, I'm actually you could drop really excited. Really excited. <laughs> Some of that with Spider-Man. Yes. Yes. And that's it. I mean, that's the answer, right? It's the timeline. It's the t- yeah, totally. The sacred timeline. Anyways, everybody watched Loki. This show has been one that actually has gotten me to break my I wait until it all comes out and watch it. I've been watching it every Wednesday. Um, yeah. Okay, so really quick, the one movie I did watch that I did want to talk about was the, the Forever Purge. Say it again. The Forever Purge, the last Purge movie. Now, the Purge, made by Bloomhouse, gets locked in as being a horror film. But they're just political movies with some horror tint sprinkled on them. And this one takes the fight to the border where this, this immigrant couple <clears throat> is in Texas. And so they have the Purge night. The first 30 minutes of the film is the Purge night. The 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 FAA and FAA gets reinstated. They reinstate the purge that was ended years ago. So people are back purging. Now there are these, these, these white nationalists who think they're purifying America decide that they're going to keep purging. Right. And it, part of when the movie stops at the opening sequence, there's all this news anchor voiceover. One of the things they mention is, you know, people are fear of immigrants and then white nationalism on the rise due to misinformation and the reinstatement of the purge. And all, all these things are kind of tied together. So you, you're watching this couple. What is happening is Mexico opens their borders for Americans seeking asylum. These Americans are trying to make it to Mexico for asylum. Hilarious. Yeah. Are we, are we sending Mexico our best? No. It's people just trying to escape. <laughs> so it, it's it's good. I love I love those movies because what they touch on politically, they're not afraid to say, hey, these racist white people are doing some stuff that's going to harm this country, and they don't care. So... I've never watched any of them, but you've got me interested. You, you do like you them. think? Do you think I should watch them in any order outside of the way they were released? Because the way they, where they released? Because the first purge is a prequel. The first purge is the original movie, and it's just it's it's a smaller movie. It's Ethan Hawke. That that movie's more about class. No, no, no. Isn't there a movie called The First Purge? But that's the that's the last movie, and that's shows how it all got started. But and you would not watch that first. Ah, oh, okay. Watch the first one. The first one's about economics and like rich people being able to help themselves. Second one's about poor people who can't help themselves in the purge. What happens to those people? The third one's about the election, the politics behind it, how you know the rich get richer, and trying to trying to save this country through voting. The fourth one is how it first started, how people weren't really on that. And the government stepped in and, and made it what it is. So, well worth watching. Um, I'm reading this book called The Big Leap. Can't see it. You can kind of see it. Put it in front of you more. There you go. Okay. A big Leap. Oh. By Gay Hendricks. It's a fantastic book. Just about taking life to the next level. Would highly recommend it. Uh, essentially, just about getting out of your own way. We get our own head oftentimes about things. So I've been enjoying that. The last thing I've been up to and have been enjoying is part of the creator's new album. Call Me If You Get Lost. Have you heard it? I've never listened to Tyler. I've been. What is he? What is his style? Listen to listen to this album, Ken. You would okay. love this album. Okay. You remember? So I had a conversation with my nephew. You remember Gangster Grills? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, is like a, this is like a gangster. It got DJ drama on it. It feels like a Gangster Grills tape from 07. Okay. How about for summer? Because we've been talking about how we don't really have a summer track yet. How have, have we been talking about that? I've told you a million times what my summer Sorry. track is. Sorry, a summer playlist yet. We have one track. <laughs> we don't have more to add to it yet. For summer. 
Um, but I, my nephew was asking who this dude was yelling on the tracks. So I'd explain to him the entire like mixtape era. It happened when he was born. Like he doesn't remember any of that. Right, he was so I, so I ended up sending him a little Wayne's dedication too. I was like, this is one of the ones that like peaked. This is this was it. Like this was if you were coming up or you was rapping, if you was Jeezy, Wayne, Drake, getting one of them gangster grills was a stamp of approval that you had made it. Um so it's just odd because he has no reference for like the mixtape. I have to say, Tim, I missed out on mixtapes. Oh man, I still have some, bro. I'll bring you some some ones that are still you can't you can't get them on DSPs. Right. I'm rapping over a beat made by Pharrell that he didn't necessarily I didn't pay for. I can't put it on a DSP, right? So uh I have a bunch I'll bring you. I have a Lupe one that's really fire. I got some I have some dope ones. I still I just I, I had no idea the streaming era was coming like this, but I'm so glad I kept them. Because you can't yeah. how do you listen to them at this point? Uh I try to sometimes I like put them in my library on my iTunes. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the ones I did listen to was back when I was torrenting things. <laughs> Ooh, speaking of old days. So in 2012, if you had asked Tim what is one thing he cannot travel without, his answer was iPod. Mm. <laughs> Dated term. I still have mine. I found it the other day. I found my old playlist from working out when I was like doing Warrior Dash and like traveling. I had like a travel playlist because mm-hmm. I was traveling all day to go to Florida to visit my family. So, Tim, you know, an even more dated reference that's just coming to my mind is um, freshman year of college, my mommy got me these, uh, remember Discman? Yeah. <laughs> you remember that there were Discman that you could burn MP, like MP3s, like hundreds of MP3s to, and yeah. it would play on? Yeah. You that was like the original iTunes, <laughs> and they were expensive. They were expensive, so I never had one. Yeah. Wow. Good times. MP3 era. Now I can just send my nephew a mixtape to his phone. He can just click play and that's it. Yeah. Oh, we've come such a far. I love okay. living in the future. Yeah. As we're recording, speaking of the future, I want Aliens is on the background. I love this movie. It's the yeah. aesthetics of it. And how yeah. it plays against the first one. Like, it's great. Anyway, I'm sorry. It just was on in the background. I was like, man, I really do. I love how this movie looks. It's a good sequel. It's intense. Like, in terms of top sequels, right? I think it's this is love. one great because it's just a different departure the first one was very small and minimalist and you see the alien a couple times this is like we're sending 50 of them aliens at you (laughs) at a time and you're watching people just get obliterated speaking of aliens let's go back to the 80s you guys ready let's do it okay i'm gonna grab a card in 1986 what does jeff goldblum slowly turn into when a science experiment goes horribly wrong a fly too easy what sitcom starring a stand-up comic debuted in 1989 with an episode where the characters discuss shirt buttons and quote over wedding laundry does it does seinfeld yeah i didn't know seinfeld started in 89 does that mean we have to do seinfeld i think it does i think it does all right who had a hit with heat of the moment in 1982 Europe, Asia, Chicago, or Boston? Boston. Is are those all bands? Yeah. Boston is for sure. <laughs> Chicago is. The answer is Asia. <laughs> Wait, the entire continent? I have no idea. I'm like Europe. <laughs> I'm confused, but that's the answer. Okay. What TV host wished his viewers 
champagne wishes and caviar dreams. Oh, J.G. Wentworth? No. No. Uh, what's his name? The guy from um, <laughs> Famous. Was mm -hmm. Robin Leach. Robin Leach. Wait, who's J.G. Wentworth? <laughs> I don't know, the Monopoly guy? <laughs> I thought he was the guy from... I thought he was the guy from my show, Rich and Famous. Mm -hmm. Speaking of, I really want to do Overboard this summer. Yeah. All right. What style prompted author Lisa Birnbaum to write, quote, it is the inalienable right of every man, woman, and child to wear khaki? Uh, no idea. Huh. Preppy is the style. Wow. And it says Birnbaum is the author of the official preppy handbook published in 1980. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, JG Wentworth is a financial company. I somehow got a commercial stuck in my head. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I said, a Monopoly guy. Now, before we move We're on, thinking of the same guy. Before we get into this review of Turner and Hooch from 1989, we have to pay homage to the one and only Bobby Bonilla. You guys are aware of who Bobby Bonilla is? No. Famous, played for Pittsburgh Pirates back in the day, signed a massive deal with the Mets. It, the Mets wanted to save money, do trying to get money into what happened to be the Bernie Madoff scheme. They didn't know it was a scam, right? The owners. So they allowed Bobby Bonilla to defer his contract for X money. So I'm gonna read this to you. July. Wait, sorry, I'm I'm confused. He wanted to delay his contract the, the, to save money because they wanted this lump of money to put in whatever money they were doing with Madoff. They allowed Bonilla to defer his contract. They have to pay him more. Did he want to do that though? I mean, he was older. Like, okay. want it was something. Oh, are you gonna pay me more and for a longer amount of time? That's fine. Uh, they wanted because they thought they were gonna make this killing with Madoff. I'm going to read this. So every July 1st, the Mets pay Bob Bonilla another installment of $1.19 million. He has not played baseball since 2001, but will be paid through 2035 when he will be 72. That's nice. great. Good for him. That's a retirement plan. Happy July 1st. It's Bob Bonilla Day every July 1st. He gets that check. I love it. Well, are we ready? Ready. Come on. Come on, Hooch. Come, come on. Come. Wait a while. Hooch. Hooch. No. Stop. Stop. Turner and Hooch. 1989. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Mary Winningham. Craig T. Nelson. Bell Johnson. Surprise to see. It's like Family Matters. I know, right? Scott Paulin, J.C. Quinn, John McIntyre. David Nell, and it was directed by Roger Spot Spottiswood. Never heard of that guy. But apparently, directed forty eight, wrote forty eight hours, directed the sixth day, directed Shoot to Kill, directed Tomorrow Never Dies. He's got, wow. He's got action in his pocket. So, Shalia, do you want to tell me first of all why you picked this movie and then what this movie is about? Yes. Um, I don't remember why we, oh, we picked the movie because 
there's a new version of this coming out as a TV series on July 11th. And so we were like, that works because Turner and Hooch was a great movie from the 80s. And now if they're going to bring it back, we might as well watch it now and do an episode on it. So that was the inspiration for doing it um, because I loved this movie. I loved Turner and Hooch as a kid. Um, Did. Shockingly, if you would ask me how this movie ends, it ends with Tom Hanks whistling and Hooch running, coming running out and like running towards him. And you're all like, oh, Hooch lives. Yeah. I don't know how I miss what happens at the end of this movie. Um, another movie? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, like, it, this is one where I'm surprised it didn't sit with me in a different way the way it ends. Um, because that's not what I remember at all is that Hooch dies. Um, I thought it was going to be Hooch in the closet with his baby puppy uh at the very last scene and it wasn't until the movie was over that i realized there is no hooch here and then i had to be sad the sad feelings had to come in late delayed so um but i do love this movie and that is why i picked it so this movie is a buddy cop movie about a kind of obsessive compulsive really straight arrow cop who can't like handle any relationships because the women all say he's too um obsessive not like not a not with particular part, he's too particular and they, that shows you know we get to see that from the very beginning um on how he like structured his life is he's not a bad guy he's just probably really difficult to live with mm-hmm. and then he um ends up working this murder investigation and identifies that hooch this dog is the only witness and so he brings him along with him to think that there's a way that he's going to help him solve this mystery um, and it's the truth. Hooch identifies the killer and leads him to it, helps with the um, smelling out the um, some of the evidence and ends up saving his life um, at the end. So it works out. But the fun part about the movie is that you have this like uptight, you know, straight arrow guy having to then be exposed to this dog who is just drooly and gross and destructive and energy. And- it's the, yeah, it's like opposites getting meshed into each other and you see him loosen up and you see this dog make him more um, playful and, and smiley. And, and, and he's able to then have a relationship at the end where he actually gets married. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's kind of like a transition for him in terms of this building this relationship and, and, and ha- making a friend. Huh. And that is why I love it. The the jokes about Hooch and how disgusting he is are the things that I remember. Like the tennis ball, him talking about, it looks like you uh, swallowed tennis shoes and like you've got the shoestrings hanging out your mouth. Like that is a memory that I carry <laughs> with me. And I actually, I have an issue with drool. Um, and like growing up, like even, even in um, like early adulthood, what is that like the 20s or whatever i'm like i'll love your like to friends like i'll love your baby but um if they drool i'm handing them back like i can't do it and i think that this movie is probably an instigation from that of one of the reasons i can't do i can do other things i cannot do drool um so that and then like him eating the dog biscuit and those are those are the memories of um hooch liking to drink beer so that is why i picked it um question for you movie is about question how hard would it be to get a warrant based on 
what they did. The dog being the one that was going to provide, that provided evidence to say that they should get a warrant to search that place. How hard would it be for you to go in front of a judge and say, I need a warrant to search this building because I think the dog saw something and can lead me. It's not a trained dog. It's just a dog that was on the property. Yeah, it was really smart how they went around that by just being like, he's my friend. He'll let us in. <laughs> like, you're not going to get a warrant for that. No, no judge is going to sign up. Search warrant. Why? Oh, the dog. I think the dog knows. Sure. Yeah. Oh, man. I think one thing that you missed when you were describing it is to say that it's Hooch's owner that is murdered. Yeah. Which is why we're, he's, he's convinced that the dog is a witness. Yeah, and also Turner's leaving the force. Mm -hmm. You know, for a new job. Because he wants more action more in action. the big city. There was a line here that reminded me of a story you tell, uh, Tim, about going uh, when, you, when you were about to go to Garfield High School. Oh, yeah. So there's a woman there who's like, oh, my God, you're going to go to the big city. It's so dangerous. I don't want you to get killed. Sacramento. I mean, Sacramento, I lived in Sacramento at the time this movie was coming out. I mean, we had our issues, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, you know. Well, compared to this town. Yeah, for that town, for sure. <laughs> and Turner and Hooch know each other, but it's a fun, it's like, I, I like the way this movie was made. I feel like they established things early on. So um, Turner's going to talk to Amos, Hooch's owner. He knows Hooch, but yeah. Hooch breaks off of his chain and comes at him and just like tackles him and has him by the neck. And Turner's mad about it. He's like, you know me. I brought you a biscuit. You know me. Why are you? <laughs> and I appreciate it because he talks to the dog like he can understand. I think that might be the like the reason why it works for me is like he he treats it like it's a human. <laughs> when they when they um when they, when he's coming there and, and Hooch is there and they're trying to take Hooch away, the delay's talking about shooting him. She's like we're gonna have to shoot him. He's like, you're not shooting him. Like that was odd that that was her take. Like he's such a big dog. The only option is to shoot him. Mm -hmm. And who plays Hooch? Who? Beasley is the. Is the dog? He name? has his own IMDb page. That's sweet. Now they did a good job in casting because Hooch. I love. I love dogs. I love animals. I do not want to touch Hooch. Like, Hooch is just so disgusting looking. Yeah, a lot of drooling. A lot of drooling. Very, like, I can just imagine all of that hair. Um, and his face is just so, but it's funny. His face is just so ugly, but at the same time, so cute. So my favorite was the night after uh, he stays at Tom Hanks' house. And, and, and Tom Hanks gets up and I'm like, Hooch is in bed with him. Watch, watch. And then like you turn and he's under the blankets and then you lift and he's like just laying on the pillow. He's just so cute. I love him telling him that, you know, this is Jerome. Mm -hmm. The tour of the house. Oh, I love the idea that he was trying to give this dog rules. Exactly. I mean, we have cats. Imagine giving rules to our cats. Yeah. They just turn around and show you a little cat butt and move on. Mm -hmm. One thing that struck me when I was watching this was so Tom Hanks spends a lot of time either on the phone or with a dog, and there's no other actor around. Yeah. I'd be like, this is really preparing him for Castaway. And I'll just aside, because it's just him in the scene. He does a lot of work on this. It's just a lot of work of him solo, either him or he, well, he's trying to. 
talk to the dog or he's on the phone with someone and Hooch is doing something or he's locked out and he's got to get in and he's doing all of this dialogue with himself, by himself. And it's, it's never not entertaining. And you, you forget that he's alone in these scenes because he's so animated. And I was thinking like, man, he used all of this in Castaway. And that's what makes that movie watchable. It's a dude on an island by himself for 90% of the movie. But yet you watch it. And I, I, I was watching this and it reminded me of that. Like he's showing little pieces of, he could do this and do this well. I didn't catch that piece, but I think you're completely right. What I noticed was just like, God, he is a star. Um, <laughs> and even in the in the scene of Hooch dying and like him just like talking to him and trying to, like, I'm just like, I mean, in 89, we knew that Tom Hanks was a star at that point. But this, I was trying to think of if we had as an, <laughs> as emotional <laughs> right. scenes. Um in his prior movies as we had in this one. And then I laughed because it's it's him starring a dog. <laughs> him in a dog um movie. But I just I yeah, it was a good reminder of how talented he is. How talented he is for sure. And then what do you think? I think he's likable. Super likable. Which and is also funny because you didn't like him. Huh? So we had to can or Tim, we had to watch this in two settings. There what? was a point where yeah, Kenan was like, I hate everybody. I hate everybody in this movie right now. I hate Hooch. I hate Turner. I didn't hate Carl. Well, of course not. But yeah, you. so it's interesting that you say that. Can you tell us how it, that well, changed? Because, as the movie went on, he just became very relatable. Him having to deal with the dog, like the things he was yelling, it all felt like the way I would have to, I would react if I had to deal with a dog like this. So I, I don't know. I felt some kinship with him. Um, that's fair. I also think that you kind of your heart melted a little bit. So I uh, was kind of moving ahead to um, in the episode um, in terms of favorite things. There's a moment where Tom Hanks is trying to be like, celebrate. You did. You helped me today. And Hooch is just sitting there depressed. And he sits down and he's just like, what's wrong? And realizing like, oh, yeah, this must be really hard for you. And I had been saying, like, have you tried petting this dog? Like, has anybody given it a hug? And then you see him start to like, oh, you like that, like petting his ear. And then they start to play. And Kendon, you seemed really touched by that moment. I was touched by that moment. Yeah. I mean, yes, when when two people who are, at, well, it's a dog, but, you know, two characters who have a lot of strife come to some commonality, it's always effective. Well, yeah, if it's done well. And I think that's part of it. You're like, okay, well, it's a dog. But like, if it's two characters that speak, you have a lot more going back and forth, but when it's so one-sided and like right. he's just got to figure out how to bond with this animal who cannot communicate in the same way. I would say when I see stuff like this, I don't even think of it as one-sided. Maybe because we have our cats and they all have like their personalities and tell. It seems like most, like like at least home pet animals, cats and dogs in particular, give as well as they get as mm -hmm. far as conversation. So I see it as, as not one-sided but just with a big filter in the middle exactly but like at, at some point it's like that's lifted and now he can see it too right like he he doesn't see it before although he does always talk to, to him like he's a person and i just like that yeah he has he's he's got a sort of gruff fondness for the dog from the from the very beginning right the fact that he brings him something and yeah yeah he doesn't show up like hating it's more like dreading like yeah. this interaction is going to be a pain like yeah yeah true 
But for for Tom Hanks, we catch him here. So it's, it's right after Big, right after Punchline, right after The Burbs. Before Splash? It's right before Splash. Which is what Disney uh, recommended right after we finished. So it's it Hooch, Doris Volcano, The Vampire of the Vanities, Radio Flyer, Tales from the Crib, Leaving Their Own. It's, right, it's after Splash. That's when it gets on his run. Splash is 84. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Splash is way earlier. Splash, Bachelor Party, The Man with One Red Shoe, and Poop that I've seen a bunch as a kid. Uh, Money Pit. Then he gets on his run of like big burbs, turning hooch. Then we get serious, you know, with Philadelphia and, you know, gets on that run. I am not at all familiar with Joe versus the Volcano. That's you know, my cousin's like uh, my cousin Eric. I remember him liking that. We have to do that at some point. Yeah, it's a fun one. So that was my favorite part of the movie. What is your favorite parts of the movie, or far- favorite thing of this movie? I like that it takes the case seriously. Yeah. Like it was very very procedural. Yeah, well, Kenny, you pointed out when we were watching it, like if this movie was made in the nineties, Hooch would have been like humping him or something when they were like I was thinking out. a little more recently than the 90s or but definitely 90s. by the 2000s, 2000s there would be a joke about hooch humping something and then we and then we were like and also if they were making this it would be ridiculous like it would be a ridiculous plot and it would be over the top comedy well no because they wouldn't do a normal like like you were saying like procedural like this is an actual murder that we're taking seriously and right. also there's a dog right that's what you were saying yeah I mean, there's a show right now so we can find out how they do it Yes, we will see how they do it. But yeah, just thinking like in terms of when this was made and how they made it. I was specifically thinking of like, say, around 2006 or 2007, definitely early 2000s. Like, is there a name for the group of people like uh, the Owen brothers and um, the people who made Old School? You know how like there's a group? I don't know what the name is. Like American Pie and all that. Right, I imagine those people making a ton of hooch, hooch movies. I guess so. Like, I, the I agree. dog would be drinking like a, a whole six pack. It would definitely have humped something. Like, I agree with you on that one. And then I was taking it a step of like, I guess I'm really thinking about the kid movies, right? Like, you've got The Rock when he's bedazzling footballs, or you've got Vin Diesel and Pacifier, or you got like, I feel like you take these characters, like these actors, and you pair them with a kid or a pet and it yep. becomes this goofy movie that is not this movie wasn't goofy like there was there was stuff happening but it wasn't it was it took itself seriously i guess maybe it's almost like there's an algorithm for putting these sort of movies together now but it shifted right yeah yeah so i could take i could take tom hanks seriously throughout the movie it was kind of a goofy movie yeah it's a, it's a small town there's kind of goofy stuff but his character had quirks that weren't overblown. It just you know? felt like gritty 80s. Yeah. It wasn't polished and like, I don't know. That was a very unpolished dog. <laughs> that was very unpolished. Uh, Tim, what's your favorite thing about this movie? Uh, Tom Hanks. I he kills him, man. He's, he's funny. He's in it from beginning to end. He's in almost every shot. He's funny. He's carrying a touch when he needs to be. He's quirky and weird. He's believable as a cop. He's believable as a single man. He's believable as someone who maybe not want to care for this dog and trying to get rid of him like he's believable in every aspect of his character uh turner and it, you know he, he's never even towards the end like he's not some huge vin diesel type of superhero 
Like he's just trying to solve this murder. And that's it's a very simple story. And he never does anything that's too over the top. He never turns all of a sudden turns into like, you know, Rambo. But he figures it out. I was like, oh, because I was waiting for Coach to like turn. So I'm like, Coach is definitely a bad guy in this. And then and then he like he it never happens because he knows. He like calls him out. I'm like, oh, good job. You figured it out. As soon as they get to the warehouse and he's like, Yeah, I got I got backup on the way. And like a lot of other movies be like, he'd be like, Where's that backup? Right. He's like, there's no backup coming. <laughs> I already figured this out. I was happy about that. I, I do want to say, um, go ahead. I said they're putting money in the ice reminded me of this, this drug documentary I was watching and they were trying to catch shipments of drugs. And they went, so they opened up this, uh, one of these big trucks, big bed trucks, and they've got all these vases they're moving. So they break open the vase. There's nothing in any of the vases and they're empty. The money and the drugs were stuffed into the wood pallets. Yeah. I said, these people are geniuses. One of the pallets broke and that's how they caught it. They had the, it, and it was so, it was all these pallets. Normally they're, they're inspecting what's on the pallet, not what's actually what's inside of it. So there's a kind of a sub topic that'll happen in a lot of science fiction movies when some sort of smuggling is involved. And it's always fun when it's like, what is the futuristic version of hiding things in the wood paneling? Right. It's like, oh, you know, we have scanners and all of this, but to beat, you know, to beat the futuristic scanning. Um, yeah, the way that smugglers work is always like very fascinating. Well, and I'm sure we've seen this before, but it was a first for me that like, oh, that's why they needed the Ziploc bags because the money had to be protected yep. from water. And that's why it washed up yep. because the ice melted. And like, just like, I mean, pieces. yeah, and they, yeah, they give you all of that early on, but it, it's not what you're thinking. Yeah, they found eight thousand dollars, and there was a murder, and they're connected. Okay, let's talk about that murder real quick. You know, I don't want to blame the victim, but <laughs> you're about to blame the victim. <laughs> I don't want to, but I'm gonna. So these guys are clearly up to no good. You know that they're gonna pay you off. You could say, "I don't want your money." get out of here but you instead say i know what you're doing i'm watching you like don't do that don't do that you put a target on your back you also should have brought your guard dog isn't that the point of this guard dog yeah. i say it's very upsetting that they they really do show the dog goes for the throat yes like i've always like i have not been attacked by a dog but i and i know that this isn't it's not as simple as this but i'm like can't you can't you kick the dog like what is it the dogs do? They get on top of you and go for your throat. Right. The other thing I feel torn about, so Amos is supposed to be, you know, a lovable neighbor, right? Like mm -hmm. Turner has a relationship with him. We're supposed to love him. He's Hooch loves him. But like when Turner takes Hooch to the vet, she's like, this dog is neglected. He needs stitches. He needs all of this stuff. And like, a lot of that stuff existed when he was still being taken care of by Amos. So it's like Amos isn't actually a very good dog owner. But, but also, he's, he also he also doesn't take care of himself very well. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, he looked kind of a bit disheveled. But and then the other thing I keep thinking about, like, yeah, Hooch is a very very difficult dog. But also, like I said, I think I said that to Kendon, like that's why you get them when they're puppies. When you're oh, because it was when um, Turner's trying to get them in the bathtub. And it's like you gotta you gotta get them when they're small enough that you can still control them um, to try to train them. And I kept thinking like, yeah, it's not Hooch's fault that he never had any of that training. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, think Hooch's Hooch son is, is gonna be. 
be pretty solid. I think Hooch was filling his role exactly how he was supposed to. I agree. And that's so all of these these uh training was not necessary for his earlier life. That's true. It all happened for a reason so that he could do this. I I did think it was so clever when Tom Hanks has him run outside of the car. <laughs> I, that was the th- scene in my I was thinking of in the head in my head too. It's so good. Um, I do want to point out one thing that was very affecting to me is you know how at the beginning of Harry and the Hendersons when they first get uh, Harry into the house and he's just tearing everything apart, mm-hmm. like accidentally bumping into things. Yeah. That there were too many extended scenes of the destruction by Hooch for me to be comfortable eating everything but the thing is it's so realistic like they put it all in like to these like seats but like i know dogs who've done pretty much every single thing remember um our co-worker tim the dog ate the dashboard remember that yes. the, like and my puppy like my puppy my poodle she is little she's like this big she ate my grandpa's razor like you know those electric razors and he would just sit and like on his face and she just ate the whole metal razor part like dogs are crazy they don't i feel like they don't have a proper survival instinct like there's something wrong with dogs (laughs) but their teeth are so strong like how do you do that so i agree i was worried because like we don't have a dog but we've wanted a dog at times and i'm just like oh i feel like i might have shot myself in the foot on this one (laughs) any dog that ever comes into my house cannot be a drooling dog yeah. Because there's a smell that comes along with drooling dogs. Ooh, the smells. Or like um, when Tom Hanks is playing with him and then he goes and bites him. And it's like, why'd you do that? Like, you're going to have all that fur in your mouth. Oh. Uh, Actually, you kiss your dog on the mouth. I don't kiss my dog on the mouth. What are you talking about? Maybe it's his nose. Um, I definitely don't put the dog fur in my mouth. <laughs> no, I didn't accuse you of that. Okay. <laughs> but. So, and that's the part, like the hair in the mouth, like all ugh, gross. Um, I don't kiss my dog, but friends, I don't kiss any dog on the mouth. Kendon seems like he's seen me kiss my dog on the mouth, but I don't do that because my dogs have really bad breath. Like, I there's no <laughs> none of my dogs would I ever kiss in my mouth because they're like I've seen this so before, bad. But okay. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, do we have any inspirations from this movie? No, not from Kendon. Tim? No, I mean, any buddy cop film. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I mean, I think they all pull from each other, right? This work with an animal, you know, people from different sides of the track trying to come together to solve a crime. This happens to be a dog this time, but, you know. So I will say, I think this inspired, like, this helped continue Tom Hanks on the career. And, like, he was very emotional in this, more so, I think, than what we had seen before in terms of showing his skills um i also think that this movie significantly influenced beethoven and beethoven's second and all of the other beethovens um i just saw a lot of pieces of this that i'm like up i remember in beethoven when that happened (laughs) and so i do think that that movie follows this in like a kind of leading towards what i was talking about before of like more goofy way like you add the dog and now it's it's a bit more of a goofy movie but um beethoven and then I also was laughing because as they were like, okay, this cop in the small town has ambitions, going to go to a bigger town and then has this animal sidekick. I was thinking about Sonic and it was reminding me a lot <laughs> about the movie that just came out. Um, yeah. So 
those are the ones I had. Which I guess is more than you guys had. So right, randomly Points it's, it's got um Ace Ventura popped into my head. Remember we that was on cable TV recently. Yeah, too. we also watched that while in Florida. The fun yeah. You know what? So the first Ace Ventura, I thought that the subject matter was going to be problematic. I have not watched it very recently. But the way it's the way it's handled, um, I mean, I can see how it doesn't help. Um, and it does perpetuate some stereotypes and some like yeah. un, uh, irrational fears, basically. That's what it reinforces irrational fears. But in terms of the commentary and what's happening, it actually was way better than I thought it would be in like in this rewatch. Well, I guess Julia made the observation that Einhorn is not transgender in the movie. Okay. Just in, in deep cover. Yes. Like it's it's a it's a it's a disguise. It's not a change in um identity. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a big difference. And then mm-hmm. yeah, and then I watched Nature Calls after that and that <laughs> one was frustrating too <laughs> in a lot of ways. I always forget that movie even came out. Okay, but the slinky bit is hilarious. It and is. I'm really upset that he didn't get to go try it again. Yeah. I just that kills me. Okay. Anything else you want to talk about for Turner and Hooch before we rate it? That's it. That's it for me. Um, so Tim, future request any movies that we pick, please tell me if the dog dies. You picked this. I know, I know. That's why I didn't. <laughs> I that's why, why didn't I didn't you screen the movie she chose. <laughs> that's why I didn't give you a hard time. I know. And I was like, I know he's watched this already and he just assumes that I knew, but I didn't know. I was so sad. We had to watch pottery throwdown afterwards to like lighten me up because like I was so delayed. I'm like, oh poor Tom Hanks. He's so sad. Hooch is just getting medicated right now. He'll be fine. Like is I was watching this scene. You? Yeah. Because I called it when I was like, that dog's going to get shot, isn't it? And I said, and I said yeah. And she I, was like, yeah, but he survives. Yeah, I even said, I was like, Kenan, <laughs> here, this is the hard part. He's going to get shot. But I thought he lived. Maybe my parents lied to me. They lied to you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I didn't know he actually died. Because I was, I was like, oh, poor Tom Hanks. Like, I know how hard that is. But don't worry. He'll be fine. So I'm just like watching this scene. Like, I know that's hard. Sweet hooch. I know. But no, he was actually dying, and here I'm just like. And he becomes he becomes chief of police at the end. Yeah. And he gets married. And he gets married. Just like Sonic the Hedgehog. Exactly. Okay. Right. It was very Sonic. <laughs> okay, Turner and Hooch, 1989, starring Tom Hanks and Beasley. Are we past it, or is it a classic? I am past it. It's a classic. It's a classic. Even though he dies, it's a classic. It's a classic movie. It's so great. Turner and Hooch. And I'm excited to see what Disney Plus. Yeah, I want to watch the show and see how it fits. It's not going to be the same. I my my bet is it's going to be more goofy. It's not going to be as gritty 80s. I want to watch episode tonight and see. I thought it didn't come out until the 11th. No, I thought that's not on my thing. Well, if you watch it, maybe we'll watch it too. If it's available. So next episode, we're gonna stick with our summer vibes, and we're gonna do Overboard. I'm and so excited. This is one of my favorites. I've been waiting. I've been waiting a long time for this one. Or is flying out. I don't think it's free anywhere, but I don't think it's 17.99 to rent either. Let's check and see. Let's see. Uh, I'm going my trusty app. Over. 
it is for rent on Apple TV and Amazon and YouTube and Hulu for three ninety nine. There we go. Summer movie rental. Nineteen eighty seven Overboard, starring Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn. Directed by Gary Marshall. Oh, nice. So that's what we're going to talk about in our next episode, friends. When Kendon, what will we be? We'll be back.